Welcome back to the Annick Castle podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Watkins, and on today's episode, we're talking about the global impact of Annick Castle as I speak with Emily Zhu, a professional translator and interpreter based in Shanghai, who earlier in her career worked as a Mandarin-speaking guide at Annick Castle. Prior to 2020, Annick Castle welcomed thousands of visitors from China every single year. And with Emily, we talk about what Chinese visitors might experience at the castle, how Annick Castle and other castles are perceived in China, and some of Emily's memories of working at the castle. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Here it is. Enjoy. My guest on this episode of the Annick Castle podcast, Emily Xu, is a translator and interpreter based in Shanghai, but earlier in her career, she was a Mandarin-speaking guide at Annick Castle. How are you today, Emily? I'm very well, thank you. It's a long way from Shanghai to Annick. How did you discover Annick Castle? Well, initially, I learned about Annick Castle from Harry Potter movies, of course. Of course. Just like everybody else. And I think some there are some girls a couple of years above me. I think there's one of them called Michelle Dieter. At Newcastle University. At Newcastle University, yeah. Uh, she reached out to Annick Castle for her, I think, tr- an interpretation project. She did. Yeah, so she basically, she took the first step. And then she talked to us about Annick Castle and the guiding uh, opportunity in the castle. And then the advertisements popped up <laughs> uh, on my Facebook and I, I saw it, I applied to it and I got it. That's how I got to know about Annie Castle. Yeah, you joined us for a couple of years to speak to and engage with visitors from China to Annick and to the UK. But what do people in China know about castles and English history? Have people in China heard of Annick Castle? Sadly, most of them, they haven't heard of the Annick Castle as in Annick Castle, but they definitely know uh, something about Harry Potter. So if you speak to them and tell them that Annick Castle is where Harry took his first flying class, they will give you the response such as, oh, right, it's there. Or if you tell them that Annick Castle served as uh, the location for two Christmas specials of Downton Abbey, they will get even more excited. So I think they definitely know something about Annick Castle, though they may have never read uh, about Annick Castle. They may not know that this is called Annick Castle. So they know it from the screen, from TV. Yeah, Downton Abbey is a very English thing. Yeah. Very popular in America as well. And it's popular in China too? Oh, yes, very much. I think once one of the prime ministers, I guess it was David Cameron, who visited China and people were urging him to tell the producers of Downton Abbey and Sherlock to put on more episodes of the of the series is that's yeah that's what's ha- happening and uh, we are very excited about Downton Abbey we love them so people in China know about the castle through these things yeah but there are lots of words in English that 
are only really used when talking about castles. Mm-hmm. So as a translator and an interpreter, what were some of the challenges that you had in translating Annick Castle into Mandarin? Oh, uh, this is a very good question. I'm excited that you asked that. <laughs> Actually, well, well, this is somewhat related to the Chinese perception of castles. In China, we do have castles, but they look so different from the English ones. If you talk about castle, the word castle, which is 城堡 in Chinese, you get a couple of different meanings. So it could be a fortress or a kind of a postal station where uh, people changed horses when passing on a message, etc. And it could be a fortified village where a village of people would live together and use this facility to defend themselves. So they look very, very different from the English ones. They don't have that many pointy towers and the turrets and everything, though they do share some similarities. For example, you also have trenches or ditches in uh, a Chinese castle. You also have something like a curtain wall and something like a, a barbican, but they are uh, they look quite different in the appearance. So I think there are some challenges when you tra- when you're trying to translate them into Chinese. Most of the time, you are explaining what they are to the Chinese people. For example, you need to explain what a bailey is, because we don't have that concept as a bailey. Because the fortified village would have been too cramped for a large space that is as empty as a plaza, just like a bailey. So most of the time you're explaining things. And also even for the features that kind of shared by the castles in England and China, you also need to explain the differences to them. For example, even when you see a barbican, barbican means something different in English because it's more of a... A corridor, right? You have two layers of gates, which creates a kind of like a, a, a corridor that provides you with more space to kill the enemies. In China, you also have a feature that looks like a corridor. We call it a wengcheng, which means a an urn. It's more like a large jar. This is to kind of also to trap the enemies in an open space so that they are more exposed to the defenders, but they are different in size because a wengcheng would have been much, much bigger. So again, it is challenging, but yeah, but there's a lot of fun to explain these, the new ideas to the Chinese people, but because I think translating is to challenge your target audience. If there's nothing different in the target culture, translating will be meaningless. So I, I'm glad that I'm honored to be that uh, that messenger, let's say, um, between the two cultures. You were fantastic at it as well. Oh, thank you. Is there something different in how you approach translating or interpreting for tourists, for visitors who are just coming for a short amount of time? Do you approach things differently in that way? Yes, you're trying to, I would say, break the entire information down into several chunks that might be easier for the tourists to digest. Because, 
for the Chinese people, Britain is also a country far away, and they are not familiarized to the British culture. So you need to explain to them bit by bit. For example, uh, let's say why the rooms are set in that order. For example,、um, so you need to tell them what a guest would do if he or she was invited by the Duke and Duchess to the castle. So they would first come to the anteroom. They probably will ha would have a drink. And if they were invited to dinner, so they would go to the dining room, right? And after dinner, the gentlemen would stay in the dining room to talk about politics, which were not suitable for ladies. And the ladies would withdraw into the drawing room. Yeah, and the drawing room is a room that even English speakers have a little trouble with the meaning of. Yeah, because, like you say, it's withdrawing; it's not the act of drawing, and that. Confuses people who've grown up around castles. Never mind people from so far away who might have never been to an English drawing room. Yeah,、before. exactly. And they、uh, they were so amazed by the lifestyle of the、uh, the aristocrats of Britain, and it is important to find out what they are interested in and、um, feed them with the message that they are most likely to be. Amazed by, but also it's important to tell them something they didn't realize that it's interesting. So, for example,、um, I spoke to some people around me、uh, and asked them about the perceptions of a castle. Some of them have visited、uh, castles, if not Anik, something else in Europe, and they are most interested in the exterior because. As I said, they look very, very different from Chinese or Japanese castles or any castles in Asia. And secondly, they are most interested in the decoration、uh, indoors. So they'd like to see what the rooms are like. If there is a bedroom, even better.、Uh, so it is important to talk to talk to them what is on the exterior. So what are these towers? What function? Do they serve? This is very important, but it is also interesting to point out to them that the paintings, for example, and the furniture, is very meaningful, and they bear historical significance as well. For example, the Canaletto, and though the Chinese people might have never heard of the Italian painter. They are fascinated, definitely, by the paintings themselves because they look very much like pictures than photos. I also get people who are very interested in porcelains, of course, because we are from China, <laughs> and their eyes are very naturally drawn to the、uh, to the porcelains and the China Gallery. Yeah, they are very very interested in them because they would ask questions such as. If they are imported from China, and、uh, I know a lot of objects in the China gallery is kind of made in Europe. Yeah, that's that's right. The most of the porcelain that we have on display 
is from Germany and France, but it's taken on the name of China because before those factories opened, China was really the only place in the world you could get these items. And so in Europe, it became known as China. Yeah, and uh, a lot of them would would have noticed the uh, the charger, the large plates and vases in the drawing room and in saloon as well. Do you ha- because we have uh, porcelains from the Kangxi, Qianlong, and Yongzheng period. They are three great emperors in the Qing Dynasty, which ranged from oh, um, I think sixteenth, seventeenth century to nineteen eleven. So they were kind of the three greatest emperors for the Qing Dynasty, and probably. Uh, among the greatest in the Chinese history. So um, I think they are very glad to see um, objects from that period showing up in the British castle. They are surprised. For you personally, what did you enjoy about working at Annick Castle, doing the translation, the interpretation? What are some of your favourite memories from being at Annick Castle? Oh, it's it's a difficult question because I have loads of nice memories in the castle. Um, first of all, I'm very glad. Um, I think I'm lucky to have such a nice team to work with. Um, the colleagues very intelligent and they come from all walks of life. They Some of them are singers, some of them are painters, um, some of them are extremely funny <laughs> and some of them have this amazing knowledge about all the spooky things that ever took place in the castle and the town as well and I love the walk from the bus station of Anik to the castle I think this is beautiful because uh, I grew up in Shanghai and this is a huge city it's a metropolitan I would say and it's crowded packed and it is in luxury to see the the greeny things um, within your reach so if in Shanghai if you want to go to say a a country park it will take you I think an hour drive or 45 to 15 minutes drive to somewhere like this but in Anik you can just see it from the window of the castle it is beautiful and I think favorite memory is once I was at the anti-library and uh, a lady came over to say that she's Spanish and she came to me to say that she was so impressed by the chandelier and I told her about the chandelier which has an amazing number of different pieces and how difficult it is to uh, put them together after cleaning. And she told me that she ran a antique shop in, I think, Barcelona. And she was so fascinated by these objects. And she told me how um, surprised and amazed she was when she saw these things in the castle. And she was deeply impressed. And I was very happy that I could help her uh, with that. And I could let her feel that the castle had something very, very different and something very, very special that she could kind of emotionally connect it to. So I was, um, I was so chuffed and honored and I felt I'm lucky. 
yeah, it does give you a feeling of pride being around all of these things and all of this history. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you took a little something back to China from the castle, didn't you? Could you tell us a bit about Percy the Little Lion and his adventures around the world? Okay, so before the pandemic, um, Percy came with me to Suzhou, which is a garden. Well, by garden, I actually mean, well, in the Chinese culture, a garden, especially the gardens in uh, Jiangsu and Zhejiang province, uh, which are the two provinces near Shanghai, is a kind of art. So you have very beautiful landscaping. And we also have professional landscapers, just like Capability Brown. And they are also um, great painters, great sculptors, and they are very good at poetry. So basically, a garden would have been a combination of different kinds of arts. And I brought Percy with me when I visited one of the largest gardens in Suzhou. And we should mention that Percy is a toy lion. He's not a real <laughs> lion. He was bought from the gift shop at the castle. Yeah, no, no animal has been ever hurt during the process. Percy also came to Vietnam. I think he's been to many, many places. And I really miss the days when we could just visit anywhere we wanted. Yes, and hopefully we will get to see you in Northumberland and Annick again sometime yeah, soon. Yeah, I want that too. Before you go, yeah. though, uh, could you give us a little message in Mandarin for listeners to the podcast? They might be listening from Newcastle University. They could be listening from anywhere in the world. All right. 安尼克城堡是英国第二大还有人居住的城堡，仅次于女王的温莎城堡。安尼克城堡是一个非常漂亮的地方，非常欢迎大家今后如果有时间的话，一定要来安尼克城堡来玩一下。我们这里有非常优